So let's tune in to Black Cyber, the number one, the number one podcast to jumpstart, sustain, and catapult African Americans' career in cybersecurity. Black Cyber, securing our place in the industry. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Black Cyber Podcast. I'm your host, George McPherson. Today, I got some exciting news. We're going to have none other than Cyberry's very own master instructor, Ken Underhill, on the show coming up soon. Some of you may remember where I was on Ken's podcast, The Cyber Life. Let's do a flashback to that full episode now. Welcome to the Cyber Life Podcast. Remember, if you like this podcast, don't forget to subscribe, download, rate, five stars, of course, and share this podcast with everyone you know. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Cyber Life Podcast. My name is Ken Underhill, your host, and I'm here with uh, George McPherson, who's uh, got a whole lot of certifications. I've, I've been uh, reviewing his uh, LinkedIn profile again. Um, George is a really good guy. He's helping out uh, at Cybery as well as doing his full-time job and uh, helping the industry a lot. Um, and I know many people you've, you've interacted with on LinkedIn, and I've seen a lot of your posts and stuff like that to, to try to give back information. Um, and obviously, anybody can go look up your LinkedIn profile, but you just, do you just mind kind of giving us your background? Like, how did you actually get into security and, and even IT in general? Like, what kind of got you started going down that path, George? Gotcha. Thank you, Ken. Uh, and first of all, thank you for uh, having me on the show today. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, I got started in um, IT security. Um, let's back up. I, I started in uh, started in the U.S. Army in the Signal Corps. Uh, that translates to telecom in the civilian world. I uh, got out, was working uh, for the phone company, was doing uh, structured cable, Cat 3, Cat 5, data cable voice. I uh, did that for about 14 years, so I have a technology background. Uh, kind of got tired of climbing ladders and climbing <laughs> under houses. Uh, then kind of hit a plateau. The money started off good, kind of hit a plateau. Uh, so I, I just wanted to uh, take my career to the next level. So I uh, started with a um, with a tech certification institute. Okay. Uh, good good name, but I don't I don't want to mention it here. Sure, sure. Uh, just just in case. Um, it was it was kind of like a uh, class where you did certifications. Uh, took the Network Plus, A Plus, CCNA. Um, the first the first certification I actually certified on was the Network Plus. And with me, I, I was trying to be really strategic with it, as far as getting into the IT, uh, hitting the ground running. Uh, with Network Plus, it kind of aligned to what I used to do, the telecom side. Okay, so I thought it was kind of like a, you know, low line fruit, uh, just kind of knocked that out real quick. I studied a little bit. I uh, was lucky to pass that on the uh, first try. Uh, got my first IT job probably a couple months later. Uh was doing uh, desktop support. Um, and, when, and what advice I'll give people on that is what I did when I got started entry level, I, I, I wasn't a fan of the A plus or, you know, I knew I wanted to go into networking side or, or mainly uh, cybersecurity, but I, I wanted to be good at what I did when I got into the industry. So I actually started studying for the A plus. So like if I'm doing it, I need to study. Right. Uh, what I found when I was studying for the A plus certification is what I would study, I would go to work and I would apply that to my job. 
and at work, vice versa. Um, basically, when I find a problem or something I was struggling with, I would go study and that same topic would pop up and I would have the solution and take it back to work. Uh, got my A plus um, and I knew I wanted to go into cybersecurity. So immediately I self-studied, uh, found the material, got on the CompTIA website and self-studied for the security plus. And I actually interviewed at a company I was working with at the time where I was doing uh, Windows 7 upgrades. Um, interviewed with the company. And you interviewed for IT security entry-level position. Uh, initially, um, initially, what I'll say about that is, initially, I got turned down in the system. So I, I, I definitely want to uh, mention this as never give up on your dreams. Initially, I got turned down in the system. I saw it, uh, you know, the job kind of say declined in the system. Mm -hmm. uh, it felt like a good interview for, you know, me being new to the industry. Uh, the manager actually did reach out to me. I had actually left that company and was starting another contracting job. And I just happened to check um, my work email, like the web email. And she had sent me an email. My manager, my future manager had sent me an email and said, I don't know if you're still interested in this position. I happen to log in. I don't know if you're still interested in the position, but I want you to come in for a second interview. Uh, a long story short, I came in for a second interview, met with the uh, CISO, uh, met with the manager again, and I actually got the job. So that's nice. how I kind of started my career in cybersecurity. Nice, nice. So so with that, was that more of the fact that you had kind of networked with that person, kind of already, you know, shown you know, like your skill set, and that's what probably got that conversation started? Or was it more of they they maybe other candidates didn't work out and they brought you in. Do you, do you know, um, um, you get that first role? I actually, I actually do have some insight into that. When I met with the, uh, CISO, he actually told me, he said it was a guy that was way more experienced, had been in the industry. Um, he, he said he liked my work ethic. He liked the military background. He was in the military as well. Um, I get, I think what they saw in me is potential. Um, so he definitely, uh, you know, made that known to me that they saw the potential and saw that the other guy wasn't a good fit. I was a, I showed in the interview that I was a team player, that I could learn fast, that I had, um, you know, a common sense towards the industry, making the right decisions, um, you know, with the right knowledge, you know, I could grow from there. So I think that's really what, um, and sometimes you don't hear that too often. I mean, Ken, men, you know how it is in cybersecurity is really competitive. Sometimes you don't get that chance to outprove a person that has more clearly has more experience than you. So that I mean that that was definitely a a blessing to get in the industry that way. Yeah, absolutely, and and kind of like you're saying and alluding to there, uh, you definitely have to take those chances when they come. Like, don't you know? Like, had you you know potentially said, ah, you know what, I don't I don't want to do that, or oh, you guys kind of snubbed me the first time around. I don't care about you. You wouldn't have gotten that opportunity necessarily, and uh, and you know who knows where your career might have been. Um, so that's uh, you know. So I think you've you've given some good advice so far. You know, number one, never give up on your dreams. Then also, you know, alluding to the fact of. You know, you, you just can't, you just have to do it the right way, right? Like you were open to 
them coming back to you and saying, hey, we'd like to bring you back in for an interview because you really wanted it. So I think that's something else that someone listening to this really needs to take away. Um, I see over the years you've collected a lot of certs, uh, many more than I have, so I'll just say that. (laughs) Um, Have have you found that, you know, and and maybe not necessarily talking about the exact certs you have, uh, because I see several of them and I kind of understand why you've gotten them, but just from a, you know, there's always that debate of like, should I get a degree? Should I get certification? Should I just get experience? Should I, you know, what should I do? Should I network all the time? Uh, you know, and there's a lot of new people that are going to be listening to this podcast because I have a huge network of, of kind of people that want to get into the industry in some capacity. Um, and many of them are probably doing something related to security in their jobs, but they really want to get like that first, you know, cybersecurity analyst type of role or something similar in a SOC. Uh, any any thoughts from your end of like the value of a certification? And again, just keeping it kind of agnostic of like a certain vendor or a certain cert, but just overall, have you found that certifications have benefited you throughout your career? Uh, Ken, uh, definitely. I would definitely say uh, being certified in uh, several certifications has benefited me. Um, what I'll also add to that is I value degrees. I value certifications. I value on a job experience. It's a trifecta. Um, but what I found for me when I uh, got into the industry, um, you know, I've been in cybersecurity for six years now. Mm-hmm. Um, what I found when I got into the industry, um, I'm 42 now. So if I do the math, I was 36. Certifications, what I'll say about certifications can get you, you know, get you on the ground running, get you in the industry quicker than a degree will. A degree takes a couple of years. You know, we have fast track programs to a traditional program, four years. Uh, certifications, you can study for a couple months, get the concepts, get the certification. Um, you, you have to play the game. The algorithms, when, when uh, recruiters are looking at resumes, those things count. They look for security plus. They, um, you know, I, I won't go into vendor specific but oh I'll you can right uh, uh, well you can uh, you can jump in if you want to george i just didn't want to force the the, oh, uh, yeah. the answer yeah. to the question as a certain vendor but yeah feel free to talk about any vendor any cert um if you're talking about my courses though george just don't curse me out that's the only, <laughs> that's the only thing <laughs> yes. I ask, but but yeah yeah feel free to talk and and you know we're pretty open on this podcast so anything you want to say yeah um actually and and i want to add to that too because uh, you get a lot of negativity in the industry and people have their opinions about things. I respect everybody's opinions, but in this industry, if you really want to make it, you got to be strong minded. Uh, when I started out in this industry, I started getting certifications. Um, and, you know, I worked with some coworkers that didn't, they had the work experience, didn't have the certifications and they kind of looked down on the certifications. I, you know, I kept a positive attitude. I knew that the certifications was needed. I didn't listen to the naysayers about uh, certifications don't really mean that much. Certifications do mean that much, but I do have a saying about certifications. I have over 20 certifications, but what I'll say about my certifications, I have a saying called don't be paper. Don't just be the paper certification. Any any certification that I study for, I lab out, I make sure I know it real world. I make sure I can do it when I go on the job. That's that's my saying, don't be paper. So that's that's what I'll say about that. Nice. Yeah, that's a, that's actually a, a great quote. Uh, so I noticed one of your more recent certs that you've grabbed up is from e-learning. And I've actually had a lot of people um, that I know in the industry grabbing up 
things from e-learning and specifically, um, you know, like the pen tester stuff there. And again, we're not sing singling out any, any vendor here, but just, just going off them compared to like, you know, maybe some of your other certs, did you find that, um, I guess, I guess maybe I will do kind of do the vendor thing here. Have you found that a certain vendor's content is more beneficial for than others? And you don't have to answer like a vendor name, but just in your experience, have you found that like one vendor kind of um, has a better approach than others when you're, when you're going um, through different search or is it kind of a mixture across the board? Uh, kind of a mixture. You, you get a lot of good concepts from, you know, most certifications. Um, what I'll say about e-learning security is it's a totally positive review. So I'll, I'll go ahead and go into that. Sure. Um, the e-learning uh, junior uh, pen tester certification was really challenging. It was hands-on. Uh, if you're familiar with the OSCP, uh, everybody likes the OSCP because it proves your hands-on skills. It's not about just answering questions or knowing concepts. It's, it's about hacking the box, cracking the box, figuring out uh, passwords, uh, password hashes, knowing different, um, pen testing mythologies, you know, going through it real world. So e-learn security has a very good model where they do a lab and you go into the lab and you actually certify that way. You kind of uh, crack boxes and figure out things on a network and only by cracking those, you know, compromising certain areas of the network, can you get the answer to the question on the test? So it's, it's, I, I definitely uh, respect e-learning security for what they're doing in the industry. Um, when I first started uh, learning about them, I didn't know much about them, but gained a lot of respect for them when I actually did the certification. Some guys I look up to in the industry that's on, you know, on red teams, have those certifications. And uh, so it definitely shows me that they're the real deal. Nice. Now, do you recommend um, just going off to like the junior pen tester? Cause I get, I get a lot of questions like, Hey, I'm brand new to cybersecurity and I want to, you know, get a job as a pen tester. And I always tell people that you should go in the industry in some capacity first, get a little experience and then you, it makes you a better pen tester long-term. But would you recommend that type of certification for someone that is, is not listening to, you know, someone experienced in the industry, they, they're focused, like, I'm going to be a pen tester right off the bat. Um, is that a type of cert that you would recommend for them compared to maybe some others out there in the industry? Um, uh, what I'll say on that, I'll, I'll give it, I'm kind of riding the fence a little bit. Um, <laughs> I started as a generalist and I definitely recommend starting like that because you get to see every part of security and put it all together. And then you can decide, which area or which niche you want to go into. Um, but if you, if you really set on going into pen testing, I do recommend um, the e-learn security junior pen testing certification uh, because it does give you that baseline level. Uh, it builds confidence when you actually, um, you know, crack into boxes and figure out passwords and, and, you know, uh, you know, complete the test. It builds confidence, but, what I'll say about pen testing and the red team side is it is a lot. It's a lot. When we talk about labbing and learning, uh, it's a lot of learning. And if you take a break, you starting all over again. <laughs> so uh, you really got to be committed when you're on that on the red team side. But what I will advocate on the red team side 
even if you don't think you're a true red team person, at least do an entry level, do a CEH, do a, a, a junior pen tester for me learning security. Do that base level because on the blue team side, as far as being an analyst, as far as defending and knowing exploits and knowing what it looks like when you see it on your network, when it really counts, uh, that's what makes um, red team training uh, invaluable. Absolutely. And so kind of you, you mentioned the blue team there, which I know you're, uh, uh, looks like you're primarily working defense these days. Um, are, do you mind walking us through what you can uh, walk us through on kind of your, your typical day or even your typical week might be better because uh, every day is different, but it's kind of the standard stuff that somebody that's, you know, maybe looking to, to work in a sock center or something like what, what types of things would, would they be encountering um, on, on sort of a day to day or even week to week basis? Gotcha. Um, from a day to day, like you said, every day looks different. Um, but some things on the blue team side, uh, phishing emails, phishing emails, uh, cool. So you, uh, you mentioned phishing emails, um, which we all, you know, even somebody not working in cyber right now, they, they hear that all the time, maybe security awareness training or something like that. Um, anything in particular, like are, are the, are these phishing emails that you see kind of on that, you know, that week to week basis, are they, pretty crafty or are they just really like, Hey, it's a Nigerian prince trying to, you know, you've won the lottery or something. Um, is it that cheesy stuff that we see like in the movies or is it more targeted stuff that you're seeing out there? Um, I think you're probably seeing across the board or you're seeing the cheesy stuff. The, I, I don't think anybody would fall for that, but people are falling for it. So that's the <laughs> right. unfortunate part. <laughs> so we have definitely have to take those seriously. And you see the crafty ones where it's like, that is pretty good. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we 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 investigate all phishing emails with the same amount of importance, and uh, you know, because something that simple causes can cause some major uh, incidents and uh, compromises on networks. Um, you know, different things we also look at is uh, you know endpoint security. Uh, you identify mm -hmm. malware. Uh, you want to make sure that malware is contained hopefully on one PC at a time. It, you know, if it spreads, you want to kind of, um, kind of segment that, take it off the network and, you know, work through that incident, make sure you um, do documentation. Documentation is key, no matter what you're doing, uh, what type of investigation you're doing. If, if you don't document, you can't really say it happened. Um, and, you know, when you got that adrenaline running in the incident, you try to go back, it's kind of hard to, um, kind of hard to remember all the details you may not over document why you're you're in the midst of it because at the same time you got to kind of be reactive and um handle that incident but still take notes here and there where you can where you don't have to go back and get that information uh key things like timestamps, your iocs uh the uh, you know ip uh url uh, email address things that that you may need for that investigation so if I'm if I'm kind of working like in a sock or, or anything, I'm assuming there's a lot of data coming in. Obviously, I I know the answer to this question already, but um, <laughs> I'm assuming there's a lot of you know data coming in, a lot of a lot of like logs and stuff like that. Like what what kinds of tools if I'm new to the industry should I kind of go like practice on? Like you know, let's say open source types of things or even stuff with a free trial. 
Um, are there certain tools that you would recommend I go kind of learn first, at least, at least right now, we all know that tools will change as technology evolves, but anything that you kind of recommend somebody new out there listening to this to go and, and just uh, try to practice on? Uh, yes. What I would say on that is um, definitely learn about, it doesn't matter a specific um, name brand, but definitely learn about uh, the SIM, the security incident and event management system. That's where uh, all your logs are sent from other devices like fire, firewalls, uh, network devices, uh, servers. They all send logs to your SIM where you can look on one single pane of glass and see your incidents. So I would definitely uh, make sure you learn the uh, SIM technology and, and learn the other network devices like learn firewalls. Um, I don't want to go into a name brand, but definitely learn your basic, your basic firewall fundamentals, your basic network, uh, routers, switches. Uh, you definitely want servers. Um, and also, if you have a home network, that's a great place to practice. I mean, understand what's going on. Understand if you got a router at your house, what's a public IP? What's the public part? What's the private IP? How do you find your IP? your router IP. Uh, how do you lock your IP, your uh, router down where you have a secure password where it's not being advertised? Um, and if you really want to get really granular where you kind of uh, lock down the MAC addresses, only certain devices can connect uh, to your network. So that's a simple way. If, if, if you don't have like actual work experience, you can start experimenting at home on your home network. And um, to keep, and I will say to keep yourself out of trouble if you start going into the hacking part. Um, we, yeah, we don't condone hacking on your network or attacking your ISP. So you definitely want to use VMs uh, to kind of contain. VMs is a great way to lab and problem and common sense when we talk about that uh, hacking side. So definitely want to put that uh, public service announcement. <laughs> absolutely yeah yeah there's always somebody that <laughs> is gonna do it um oh yeah uh, so do you recommend like let's say i'm brand new and okay i'm taking your advice i'm going to practice you know on on everything should i be putting that on my resume as like hey these are the things i'm doing like you know like kind of outside learning type of things or uh, since it's not you know work related but i'm i'm still kind of learning and teaching myself is that something that you think uh, in your opinion, at least, would be valuable for an employer to see on a resume. Um, I would say so, especially getting started. If you if you have something that doesn't directly relate to it, but it it kind of would help you. It would build your portfolio, um, especially when you you just start out. You really don't have much to put on your resume. So saying that you you work with home labs, that'll let the employer know you're serious. You you're actually trying to get the hands-on experience, you, you you probably have the concepts because you have the lab at, lab at home. Um, and as you get more experience, you'll kind of uh, filter that down with some of the, you know, outside filler. But you definitely want to make sure it relates to the job you're going to. Like, for instance, I have um, over 20 certifications, but if you see on my LinkedIn profile, I probably have maybe around – I'm not looking at it right now, but anywhere from five to eight listed, you kind of, kind of, you got to zero in on what, what job you're going to. You don't want to be all over the place. Cause when they look at your portfolio, it's like, 
you would think, okay, he's well-rounded, but it kind of looks like you're all over the place. So you want to show that you have a niche and you're kind of focused in on one area. That's the advice I would give on that. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's definitely um, good advice. Uh, just kind of, you know, narrowing the focus. Uh, don't be a jack of all trades. Like it's fine to, you know, have all the knowledge, but don't, when you're trying to you know, apply for a certain job, you definitely have to customize things towards whatever role you're applying for. So that's definitely great advice. Any other uh, advice you have at all for anyone, uh, whether they're new or even experienced in the industry um, before we wrap things up, George? Um, what I'll say real quick, and I'm, I'm starting to see that uh, I stay on LinkedIn a lot because there's a lot of um, good people like yourself, you know, us people in the industry, industry sharing knowledge. Uh, what I'm starting to see a lot is um, mentor and be mentored. Um, you know, since I've been in the industry, I've been grateful to be in the industry. I know how hard it can be to get in the industry. So I definitely try to mentor um, anytime I can try to help someone that I see is struggling to get in the industry and also seek out mentors because you can't get better in this industry um, without seeking out people that's, you know, more accomplished than you in your industry. Absolutely. Yeah. That, and that's, uh, you know, and that's uh, advice that kind of goes across the board in, in any industry, any part of life. Um, you definitely need to tap into those people more experienced. They can save you a lot of headaches. <laughs> took, oh, me yeah. a few, took me a few years to learn that stuff. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they can <laughs> yep. definitely save you a lot of headaches. Well, hey, George, I, uh, I definitely appreciate you hopping on. Um, you've given some really, really, really good advice. Uh, so hopefully people that are kind of new out there are listening to it and actually uh, digesting it and, and taking it and using it. Um, so, yeah, I, I just want to thank you for hopping on and uh, sharing your experience and, and your advice with everybody. Um, you know, we've, we've chatted quite a bit. Uh, and, uh, yeah, just keep doing what you're doing. And um, uh, for anyone listening to this, feel free to connect with George. Uh, send him a message. Don't send him malware. Just send him a message. Uh, <laughs> and he'll be happy yeah, to, to answer your questions. So. All right, cool. Hey. Well, uh, uh, thanks, uh, George. I, I really appreciate it. Hey, thank you, Ken. I appreciate you having me on the show today. Absolutely. Be sure to subscribe to and share the Black Cyber Podcast.